this meeting of the Health Service Board for June the 8th, 2023, to order. Will you please rise and recite the Pledge of Allegiance? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. <coughs> We'll now have a roll call. Agenda item number two, roll call, starting with President Scott. Present. Vice President Howe. Present. Commissioner Breslin. Present. Commissioner Canning. Present. Supervisor Dorsey. Present. Commissioner Follinsby will be arriving around 2 o'clock today, and Commissioner Zavansky will be arriving shortly. With that, we have quorum. Thank you. We'll now move to item number three. Agenda item number three, general public comment and opportunities for members of the public to comment on any matter within the board's jurisdiction that is not on the agenda, including requesting that a board place a matter on a future agenda item. We'll be posting our uh, full instructions and I'll be reading those aloud. Public comment is now open. There will be an opportunity for general public comment at the beginning of the meeting and an opportunity to comment on each agenda item. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For anyone waiting in person, you're welcome to approach the podium now. Each speaker will be allowed three minutes to comment in length unless the board president deems new public comment time limits during the meeting. All public comments are to be made concerning the agenda item that has been presented. A caller may ask questions of the policy body, but there's no obligation to answer or engage in dialogue with the caller. The Health Service Board will hear up to 30 minutes of remote public comment total for each agenda item. Remote public comment for people who have received an accommodation due to a disability will not count toward the 30-minute limit. Members of the public attending the meeting via phone call in by dialing 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter access code 2592-851-6797, then press pound. You'll be prompted to enter the webinar password, which is 1145, then press pound. Press star three to be added to the public comment queue and you'll hear the prompt, you have raised your hand to ask a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When the system message says your line has been unmuted, this is your time to speak. You'll be muted when your time has expired. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the queue to speak. A raised hand icon will appear next to your name. When you're unmuted in the system, a request to unmute will appear on your screen. Please select the unmute to speak. Once you hear myself say, welcome caller, you can begin speaking. When your time has expired, you'll be muted. Please click on the raise hand icon to lower your hand. Members of the public are encouraged to state their name clearly, although they may remain anonymous. I'll give you an audible warning when you have 30 seconds remaining. And when your three minutes have ended, I'll say thank you for your call. You'll be placed back on mute and I'll unmute the next caller. Thank you to SFGov TV and Media Services for sharing the meeting with the public. We'll move to any in-person public comment. And this is for items that are not on the agenda for this meeting, but may be subject to a future meeting. So please. Protect our benefits. Uh, I wanted to welcome Supervisor Dorsey. Uh, good addition to an already really good health service system commission. So that's basically I wanted to say welcome. Thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And no one else has approached the podium, so we'll move to our virtual public comment. Our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. 
Transport Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. And we have one written public comment that came in, and I'll be summarizing that. This was from Stephen Neff, a muni retiree who've worked for the city for over 30 years, expressing that he was happy with the dental coverage uh, through Delta while he was working, although he found in retirement that the Delta plan was disappointing and possibly not worth having. The annual limit on uh, the services covered went up, as and and it doesn't actually cover much, especially in light of inflation. So he expressed his appreciation for the work that was done to give it the, health good, the, the good health plans, um, but is hoping that the board would be able to improve the dental coverage in the future. Well, we'll thank that uh, retiree for his comment. Thank you. And with that, public comment is now closed. All right, thank you. We'll now move to item number four. Agenda item number four, approval with possible modifications of the minutes of the meeting set forth below, which was May 11th, 2023, Health Service Board regular meeting minutes. Thank you. I understand that there were some edits uh, provided by Commissioner Follinsby and have they been incorporated into <coughs> the minutes that we have. So uh, are there any comments or edits from members of the, any other members of the board? If not, I'm willing to entertain a motion regarding the minutes of the uh, May the 11th meeting. So moved. And properly moved. Is there a second? Second. And properly moved and seconded that the minutes of the May 11th, uh, 2023 Health Service Board regular meeting be approved. Are there any comments from the board? If not, we'll have public comment. Thank you, President Scott. We'll be sharing our instructions online. So public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue. We'll begin with any in-person public comment and no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll now take item number five. Shall we take a, a, a vote? Oh, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. 
Uh, please roll call vote on the minutes. All right, roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. And Fallons, uh, Commissioner Fallensby and Zvansky not voting yet. All right, <coughs> it passed unanimously. I'm going to claim the privilege of the chair. If we have uh, item number six, the election of the Health Service Board officers, vice president and president as item six on the agenda. Uh, our uh, chair for the governor's committee is en route. When he arrives, we will take that matter up at that time, so we'll be out of sequence. Our next item will be item number five, president's report. Agenda item number five, president's report. This is a discussion item and will be presented by President Scott. At our special meeting on the 25th of May, I made remarks uh, regarding kind of the current health care environment that we're in and how that uh, impacts the decision-making of this board in terms of what it can and can't do. I would refer anyone back to the May 25th uh, meeting regarding those remarks, but I would like to underscore a couple of points again today because they are pertinent just as they were as we were considering uh, acting on the action items regarding active uh, employee uh, rates and early retiree rates at our last meeting. I highlighted then that there are basically three large domains of activity that we can engage in. Uh, cost shifting, operational and administrative efficiency, and optimizing uh, the provider network for cost and quality. Those uh, same domains apply as we consider retiree rates as well. And when we begin to talk about those things, there are some very obvious features that stand out when we talk about cost shifting. Everyone understands that they share that either an employee or retiree pays and that which the city pays. Uh, but I highlighted the last time that we could have income-based contributions as a consideration. But that will take some policy changes and a lot of effort on the part of uh, the staff as well as getting agreement uh, with our labor unions and so forth to make those kinds of changes. We also can begin to talk about, in terms of cost shifting, plan design. And we looked at one of the plan design changes last time and declined to accept it. And we have looked at plan design issues as we're looking at the action items pending today. Uh, this board will probably need to do an educational session so that we can understand kind of what are the mechanics, what are the issues, what are the possible cost-saving opportunities, uh, that if we engaged in large plan design change would result in lower premiums for both the city and county as well as uh, employees. But again, that's something that needs a bit of a runway and a discussion to engage in. So I would expect that it, possibly at our uh, August <coughs> meeting or September meeting that we're going to have an educational session for the board. And by since we do these things in public, it'll be for the public as well so that we all can understand 
what we mean by the issue or the concept of plan design changes, what features, what issues, uh, what do health plans typically do, how are these things uh, taken into account, and what components do, or do you take into account in making plan design decisions. So developing a common lexicon or dictionary about what we mean by plan design changes should be an educational opportunity for the board in the next few months. And by the board, I'm saying the general public who is interested in our proceedings. We also know that uh, looking at administrative and operational areas, one of the issues that I raised last week, and I'll raise it again, is that we could be talking about eliminating a plan, and there, that creates all kinds of employee and retiree disruption when you make uh, plan uh, provider changes or in some way going out and competitively bidding uh, for various uh, uh, plans to cover various employees or, and retiree population segments. That takes a great deal of effort on the part of the staff and this board to engage in that process. The result of which we will see today as we look at our actuarial RFP. And, and we went through a massive uh, bidding process, if you will, with the retiree plans a few uh, years ago and decided that we would not make uh, uh, plan shifts after we looked at the market. But even taking that informational look is a lot of work and effort uh, by this board. And then lastly, a large area of effort could be optimizing the provider networks. And that might mean uh, things such as combining and getting into larger purchasing groups or uh, working with partners such as CalPERS to go to the marketplace jointly to say this is what we need or want in terms of either design or uh, plan coverage or other benefits or what have you whether it be that or some larger uh, Bay Area employer combination would be something to consider. But all of those things are not something that this board can do by just fiat. We have to take our time and with that it will not immediately impact the rates that you're seeing today or this year. Normally, any of these issues that we implement, it's for the next or even the, the plan year beyond that. So uh, I asked you to consider those things as you're making uh, comments about what we're seeing in terms of premium increases, uh, not only for retirees, but for active employees as well. We as a board have tried to diligently go through the process working with our actuaries, negotiating with our plan partners, and the results are the results that you see today. Uh, Abby and the executive leadership team and management team have been, uh, I would say, mercilessly called before the uh, powers to be here at the city about how can we save on this and how can we save on that and can't you do this, that, and the other. And we as a board have tried to be in support of she and the rest of the executive team as they have engaged in the processes that have resulted in the action items that have been presented. So we are here today 
we are going to try to be as sensitive as possible to public comment and input ideas, suggestions that may come to our attention in the days ahead. But again, we just can't individually mark our own way in this process. It has to be done leveraging the partnerships of others. So with that, that is my President's report. Thank you for listening. Uh, next, we'll take up item seven, the director's report. Oh, public comment on my comment? All right. I don't want to hear the public comment on my <laughs> comment. But, but go right ahead. Public comment, please. Thank you, President Scott. Our instructions will be displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. Public comment is now open. So in-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. <clears throat> we'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our virtual public comment, and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. All right, thank you. We'll now take up item seven, the director's report. Yes, agenda item number seven, director's report. This is a discussion item and will be presented by Abby Yant, SFHSS Executive Director. Good afternoon, Commissioners, Abby Yant, Executive Director. Um, I'd like to invite Jeff Littner forward, please. <laughs> he brought his family. <laughs> Pretty cool. Who he talks about quite often, and I know is pivotal in his decision as to when to retire. So, um, Jeff, uh, you, we, I, there's quite a bit written about you in the director's report, and I will sum it up by saying 31 and a half years Congratulations. Thank you. Um, you bounced around the city as yes. the EAP, oh, yes. kind of keeping it going. Yes. And for that, we all appreciate. I know I've enjoyed really working with you the last couple of years where we've tried to do some very innovative things to keep EAP <coughs> in the forefront and was there for everybody during the pandemic. So thank you. So I want to just read to you um, what is forthcoming in a proclamation from the mayor and the I in the circumstances, London Breed, not me. Okay. <laughs> Whereas on behalf of the city and county of San Francisco, I'm pleased to recognize and honor Jeffrey Littner, LMFT, CEAP, and with the San Francisco Health Service System. Throughout your 31 years and four months of service to the city and county of San Francisco, City College, Unified School District and the City Courts, you have shown dedication and passion to servicing employees, managers and leaders, and departments seeking mental health support and organizational services. 
Your institutional knowledge and tireless commitment to serving city employees in a time of need has impacted so many lives, earning you the respect and commendation of your superiors and your peers. Your years of service contributed to the vitality of the San Francisco City family and is truly commendable. Best wishes on a well-earned and well-deserved retirement. Thank you. Thank you so much. We. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Just to say a thank you, if you don't mind, board, thank you so much for the acknowledgement. I appreciate it. I've had really a simple goal as a EAP counselor, senior EAP counselor, and that has been to try to make the lives, organizational lives, personal lives, right, of the employees that I've interacted with across the city system, if I can make it just a little better, then really I've accomplished my goal. I do believe that we are all in this together, and I do believe in taking care of our own. And yes, the EAP has lived many lives. We are in DPH, then DHR, now health service system, where I think it is the proper home. Lucky for us, we have a director, Abby, who really passionate about the physical and mental well-being of employees and retirees, soon to be me, which is frankly nice to see. Our manager, Carrie, couldn't be better. You know, I'll have to say that Jeanette, my coworker, and I, we uh, hear stories across the city system of maybe managers not so good. And she and I thank God that we have Carrie as a manager, right? So very much appreciative. Also, uh, my coworker Jeanette focused and willing and able certainly to kind of move the EAP forward into directions that I think will be quite useful. I think that the EAP is in good hands. So thank you again for the acknowledgement. I appreciate it and your work uh, the board's work is much appreciated as well. Thank you so much. for your service uh, to the city and to us and the employees, our members. And welcome to your family as well. <laughs> uh, so uh, the rest of my director's report, um, let me get my notes to myself here, what I wanted to highlight uh, in addition to Jeff's retirement. Um, uh, reminder, I believe will be done today on the, uh, and ending the blackout notice. So I, or does that continue Michael to like go to all the way to the board? Oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> um, and then, um, I, um, was recently, um, urged to join the health, the state health care affordability advisory committee has, uh, I accepted my uh, <laughs> application to be a member. It's kind of one of these things. I'm not sure if it's a good thing or not. But um, anyway, no, it, it, it will be good because this health care um, 
advisory board that is appointed by the governor really has a monumental charge to put in place uh, some controls on the health care spend in the state of California. Uh, and this has been done in seven other states and um, to various degrees of success. And so we will see how far we can go here in California. Um, it's a, a, noble, a noble cause, and, and I will keep you posted as things move forward and um, uh, connect you with the uh, website and um, keep everyone informed as to what is progressing with that group. Um, the um, health equity uh, uh, and diversity updates this month is Pride Month, as we all know. And also, we are in our second year, I think, of celebrating as a city holiday, Juneteenth, um, which you know, we, had to, we had to get used to. We had to adjust all our budget calendars and everything because it was on a Tuesday, you know, and that bumps the Board of Supervisors by a week. Um, so it, they're good... Um, Good, good to celebrate um, with our um, various populations. Uh, also good news in, on the personnel front, and I know Ray and Olga are here and they're particularly delighted that we have very active recruitment and I, don't, I haven't seen the offer letters come through for me to sign yet today, but hopefully today or tomorrow we'll be signing some offer letters and filling some uh, cold seats uh, that will turn into hot seats pretty pretty fast because we do have a pent-up demand of calls that our members are frustrated, we're frustrated that they can't get through. Um, so uh, we're very anxious to, to get those positions filled and our, our recruitment, I believe we've reported several months ago that we did invest uh, some of our funds through work orders to the Department of Human Resources to get recruitment assistance and it is paying off. Um, so we're very happy um, about that. Um, and, you know, just even recruiting for Jeff's position, we were just very anxious to get that seat filled because he and Jeanette, we only have two full-time employee assistants, uh, counselors, so um, having one retire uh, is a problem, but we do have can candidates that are being interviewed now and hopefully will be here before Jeff leaves uh, at the end of this month. Um, so that's, that is really good news. And um, just trying to think if there's anything else that I wanted to speak to. I think those were the highlights. Some of the other things you will see on the agenda when we talk about our work with the actuary contract, um, that the contracts team has just been tr very busy. Uh, they always are, but this month felt really busy <laughs> um, with a lot of things underway. Um, so I think that's it. Is there any questions? Are there questions of Director Yan regarding the director's report? Uh, Abby, as you, as this advisory committee uh, process uh, frames itself, I would appreciate maybe that we get an overview that you might be able to share with the board about the scope of the work, what their major goals, projects might be, just some high-level information that we might better understand what this entity will be doing. Yeah, be happy to do that. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Are there any other questions from board members on the director's report? If not, we'll take public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. 
and no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. I'll let Commissioner Fallens be get connected and settled before we get yeah. back to the governance committee item. So we'll move on now to item number eight, the financial report. Agenda item number eight is SFHSS financial report as of April 30th, 2023. This is a discussion item and will be presented by Iftikhar Hussein, SFHSS chief financial officer. Uh, good afternoon. The um, uh, solid report on the trust fund, the balance remains really healthy. So we are at 105 million. Uh, we are projecting a 2 million decrease uh, by the end of the year uh, for this year. And then for the 10 months through the end of April, we actually are ahead. Uh, the balance of the trust is up by 10 million, really due to uh, timing differences in how pay periods fall within the months. Uh, so that we expect to reverse uh, and end up with a net, net reduction of 2 million by the end of the year. Uh, the net claims in total, the medical claims are running higher uh, in one of the plans. So Access Plus, uh, the Blue Shield plan, HMO is running higher. Uh, the other plans actually are running ahead, uh, lower. So we're not really seeing a universal trend. It's just one plan that's running higher. Uh, the TRIO plans, actually, the claims are running um, below expectations, uh, as well as on the PPO plan. The uh, farmer rebates are on track, and um, interest um, uh, at 2.4, about 2.5% uh, interest we're earning on fixed income funds uh, in the Treasury. Um, at the sustainability fund, we're projecting a 2.7 million balance at, uh, as of the end of the year. It probably would be higher than that uh, because a lot of our projects got deferred. Uh, the general fund, we are currently running a 1.5 million surplus because of vacancies and uh, the charges from other departments are coming in with the lags. So some of those things we get built quarterly, so they kind of fall behind. Uh, we do expand, expect the year to end uh, favorably for the general fund. Uh, I'll be happy to answer any questions on financials. Questions of Chief Financial Officer? I would note that I think that I, uh, the audit process is beginning. Uh, it has started, yes. It has started. And you expect to get it done by when? Uh, it usually is done end of September, early, uh, no, but then I think we don't meet in October, so we present in uh, November is a plan. All right. Um, so, yeah, so that um, process is underway, very important part of our job to make sure that what we've been reporting is absolutely clean. We've kind of considered everything, um, and um, there's a set of interviews that um, I think you participated in, uh, but they do their diligence and ask for um, uh, any knowledge of improprietor events or something. So that's part of the diligence and that's underway now. All right, thank you. Are there other questions, comments of the Chief Financial Officer? If not, 
this is the discussion item, but we will have public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed uh, for those who are watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will know, notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll now move to item nine. Agenda item number nine, revised SFHSS general fund administrative budget for the fiscal year 2023 to 2024 and the fiscal year 2024 to 2025. This is a discussion item and will be presented by Iftikhar Hussain, SFHSF chief financial officer. Um, so at this time in June, we update the board on uh, the results of the uh, mayor's review of our budget. Um, and um, I'll just kind of walk you through um, what those are. So the general um, timeline is, you know, the start of the budget process in, in December, January. Uh, we present to you in February what we think we need. Uh, the mayor staff look along, uh, looks at our budget along with um, all of the um, city's um, um, other departments as well as the revenue forecast and makes um, changes uh, to our budget. And uh, we still have one step open after this presentation where the budget will be reviewed by the Board of Supervisors Budget and Finance Committee. Uh, that would be in uh, 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 mid-June. So we, uh, so the changes uh, made by the mayor, we had asked for a new QC position and because of the condition of the city's budget and revenues, uh, they are not approving new positions. So that position, a new position was denied. Uh, we, um, we do have an option to use our sustainability fund to um, fund some projects to get some of the work done. Um, uh, so we are considering that. Uh, the, uh, there were two vacant positions um, that um, were uh, removed from the general fund to uh, meet the overall budget targets uh, for the city. Um, and then in non-labor, uh, we did get additional support from HR because the high vacancy rate that we've incurred this year, we wanna make sure that those are number one filled and then uh, as more openings come up, they are filled very quickly such that we can, it doesn't affect operations. Uh, the first responder EAP program, which was started last year, the enhanced EAP program for first responders that was started last year, uh, we uh, got funding for sh uh, police, and um, police and fire, 
And then for sure, we will continue our negotiation to get funding uh, from the department and continue that program into next year. <coughs> and then the minor election, they funded the um, election. Well, that is not so minor when we know that there are going to be vacancies on this board. And I would then just make an off comment that I trust that we will find worthy successors as a result of those elections. Yes, an important event, a minor financial amount. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, so here's the, the uh, combined budget. You know, our, our starting point for last year is, uh, you know, we, we did, we are ending up ahead of uh, where we started uh, in a current year budget. So we do have uh, some more funding, uh, mainly for recruitment uh, and the enhanced EAP program. And um, and I and I feel in general that it's a good compromise between the city's financial position and what we need to um, to carry out our mission. All right, happy to answer any questions on the budget. Thank you. Are there questions, comments from members of the board regarding the presentation? Yes, uh, Claire. Um, uh, I have uh, a question. Commissioner Thank you. Um, with regard to the. Um, <coughs> Sheriff's EAP options. I understand that a lot of their benefits come through the state of California because of of their union setup or however they're set up. It's they're not all city and county. Do we get any offset from the state with regard to funding um, some of those benefits, such as the EAP, or do we direct them to a different EAP? Um, yeah, so, so they have supplemental sources of funding. They have some grants. Yeah. And um, I, so, so the, the, the directive from the mayor is that the city um, is not able to fund what we were asking. But the mayor felt, and in the past what's happened is that the fire department itself has sufficient funds from, the, like from, from other sources to be able to fund those. And because of the destruction, they're still looking for their CFO. Um, that we think that we can actually resolve that and get the funding. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Other questions? Hearing none, we will then go to public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. Yes, uh, Fred Sanchez, president of Protect Our Benefits. Uh, I hear about staffing issues, and it's probably the most difficult thing that's facing city government in all departments. And I understand, you know, the deficit and what's going on there and the difficulties. But when we eventually go through this and we're at a surplus and things are going good, do they ever replace these uh, staffing positions and realize that, you know, you're paying things through overtime, not effective, you get burnout, and it's the number one phone call that we get from retirees says, hey, I can't get into a human body to talk to. I can't understand what's going on. Older people have a hard time going online and trying to go through forums and stuff like this. So my comment just being is, uh, hope 
somehow they can effectively, and I speak to Supervisor Dorsey because he is on that Board of Supervisors, and they know that because how long it takes to, through HR, to hire somebody, you're not going to get somebody to wait 200 days to be approved. They're going to go on and go into the private sector. So trying to get qualified individuals to come in to the city, the recruitment becomes more difficult. So I know you're trying hard, but that staffing issue, it's something that's being addressed in the public sector everywhere. It's critical, and we're just getting less effective and people don't want to work for the city anymore. So just be aware of that fact, uh, and we'll help you in any way we can because I know it's very complex. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. No one else has approached the podium, so we will move on to our remote public comment, and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We will now take uh, the item number six, uh, which is a governance committee item, which uh, we took out of order. So I now turn the chair over to the governance committee chairman, past president of this board, Commissioner Follinsby. Thank you very much. I apologize for being late. Um, our terms of reference that were um, last approved in February of 2022 um, <clears throat> mandate that we elect for a one-year term the president and vice president of this board. Um, and um, the only uh, restriction as outlined in, um, I think, section uh, 201.9 uh, is that um, the president and vice president cannot um, serve for more than two consecutive years. Um, so we have... Um, a president and vice president in place right now, uh, finishing their first year. Um, the, I will remind the board that last year um, it has been the um, sort of operating standard of this board to have uh, one um, <clears throat> um, elected um, supervisor and one appointed supervisor serve in the two roles. Um, and um, last year we made it an exception, um, and so um, our president and current president and vice president are both um, <clears throat> appointed um, commissioners. Um, and so we just ask that this is, again, not a standard that we wanted to reset, um, but this is a standard that we uh, were um, uh, uh, indicated was appropriate uh, one year ago. And so with that, um, I would like to open up the nomination. This is an action item. Um, <laughs> and, um, the, the new president, um, the, the president and the vice president who we um, elect to today will start serving on July 1st. The, our, our terms of reference say at the first meeting in July, which we often postpone, so we'll just say July 1st <laughs> um, for convenience since that's the date that's listed. Um, and so with that, I'd like to open up uh, for nominations for um, president um, of the board for 2023-2024. Uh, 
Um, Commissioner Follins, may I like to nominate um, Randy Scott, Commissioner Randy Scott, to be president? Second. Okay, it's been um, <clears throat> uh, not Dr. President, current President Randy Scott uh, has been uh, nominated and um, seconded um, for the 2023-2024 um, uh, year uh, for the board. And now I'd like to open up the uh, nominations for the vice president. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I would uh, like to nominate uh, Commissioner Mary Howe to be the vice president for the coming year. Second. Thank you. It's been um, Commissioner, um, current Vice President, Commissioner Howe has been nominated um, and seconded for the 2023-2024 um, year. I would like to um, leave anyone else, <laughs> any other nominations for either President or Vice President. Move to close nominations. Thank you very much. It's been moved. We close nomination. Do I have a second? Second. 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 Okay. So I guess we'll vote on that since it was moved to do that. So, um, uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, I think, I'm trying to think where we put public comment into this. Maybe um, um, before we um, actually have the actual vote. So it's been moved and seconded. So I would like a roll call vote of the commissioners to close uh, nominations for president and vice president. With a roll call vote? Yes. Okay. So roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Uh, uh, Vice President Howe? Aye. Commissioner Breslin? Aye. Commissioner Canning? Aye. Supervisor Dorsey? Aye. Commissioner Follinsby? Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky? Aye. Okay, so the nominations are now closed. And so with that, um, if there's no further discussion, I'll open this up for public comment, um, and then we'll have a final vote after public comment. Thank you. Public comment is now open. Instructions will be displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, so we will move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. <clears throat> Thank you very much. It's been moved and seconded that we uh, approve um, President Scott for the 2023-2024 um, <coughs> year as president of the Health Service Board, the City and County of San Francisco. And it's been moved and seconded that we approve Vice President um, Howe as the, um, uh, for the position of Vice President for the 2023-2024 uh, year of the um, Health Service Board of City and County of San Francisco. I'd like to call for a roll call vote. A roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Commis uh, Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. It passes unanimously. Thank you very much for your willingness to serve. Thank you, Chair uh, Follinsby. Uh, I'd like to uh, thank the board for uh, voting for me to serve for another year. Uh, I have 
uh, enjoyed service on this board since my coming aboard in 2013. And uh, my hope is that I can continue to provide the type of uh, leadership and support to our members that will indeed be uh, worthy of the service that I've tried to render. So thank you again. Okay, and with that, we will now move to item 10. Agenda item number 10, request to approve the contract award to Aon Consulting Inc. to provide actuarial and consulting services to the Health Service Board and the Health Service System. Contract effective fiscal year 2023 to 2024. This is an action item and will be introduced by Executive Director Abby Yant and presented by Michael Visconti, SFHSS Contracts Manager. Michael, uh, before you begin. Yes, sir. <laughs> Uh, this is one of these things that is kind of out of sight and out of mind. Every time that we go into an RFP process, I am astounded at the amount of work behind the scenes and the requirements of the city that we have assiduously, and I stress that, assiduously followed in this process. And Michael has given great leadership to those efforts in the past, and we thank you for what you've done on this particular effort. Uh, we know that our actuarial services are something that are critical to the work of this board, and uh, we know that out of due diligence from a fiduciary responsibility, even though we have been wholly satisfied with the work of our actuary, that every five years or so, we should go to the marketplace and review the standards, the process, the scope of work, et cetera. So this is what was done, and I'd like to thank you and your team for what you've done to bring this result to us today. So please. Thank you, President Scott. I think President Scott has taken over my introduction. So but go right ahead. I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I took over my introduction as well. That was great. But thank you, Michael, and, and his team. He's, uh, he's got two very talented um, members of his team that have uh, he's develop their skills as well. So I think it's really great to see the depth of the um, understanding of this complex process. So thank you. Thank you, Director Yand. Um, yeah, with that, um, and thank you, President Scott. Um, this is Michael Visconti. I am the Contracts Administration Manager for the San Francisco Health Service System. I oversee contracts and procurement. And uh, thank you again, President Scott, for the great introduction. Vice President Howe, Commissioners, Supervisor Dorsey. Um, a lot of this will be a brief uh, covering of what I did in September and December. So we'll go through that quickly, but I'd like to start off with what we're asking you to uh, approve today. Uh, it is recommended that the Health Service Board approve, ratify, and confirm the contract award to Aon Services Corporation to provide actuarial and consulting services to the Health Service Board in the San Francisco Health Service System and authorize SFHSS to proceed with the negotiation of a contract with Aon. <coughs> I'd like to start off by discussing our evaluation panel. As we discussed in September and December and as was specifically requested by this board, including yourself, President Scott, we wanted to have a diverse panel and a larger panel than we've perhaps done before and we really exceeded our expectations there. We had an eight-member panel where three members were from HSS and five members were from outside HSS, including two from other city departments, in this case the controller's office and the unified school district, and three who are outside subject matter experts. 
the general city rules and requirements ask us to do a 50-50 split so there's no bias towards an incumbent when it comes to this process, and we far exceeded that requirement in this case. Um, I, might want, I really do want to note that this was a very uh, impressive panel. Their discussions were very thorough. The oral interview process, which I will discuss later, was extensive. And all of them not only were properly vetted by our team, but uh, uh, executed impartiality and confidentiality statements to ensure that this process lived up to the same standards that President Scott spoke to earlier. As discussed in September and December, uh, again, the scope of our actuarial services is quite important to what SFHSS and this board accomplish every year. You've seen that uh, over these last few months in discussing the rates and benefits, particularly in years like we have right now. And it's one of the reasons why SFHSS and this board have continued to uh, fall below the national trends when it comes to renewals for our rates and benefits. They don't just accomplish that for us with rates and benefits this time of the year. As mentioned earlier, they help us with our audits. They ensure that we are proper fiduciaries to our trust. They handle regulatory reporting, compliance, and they're critical when it comes to strategic planning and forecasting, for example, when we did the mental health forum at the end of last year. A brief recap of the schedule. Again, we issued this in January 30th. There were two addenda, as is required, when there are any questions prior to a request deadline date. SFHSS receives those questions. We answer all questions that are submitted for the RFP. We post those questions and we notify all prospective respondents at the same time of those answers. So every individual who would be bidding on this RFP has the same time and the same information when it comes to their responses. We received two proposals from excellent firms Aon Services Corporation, our incumbent, and the Siegel Group, which has an extensive portfolio of clients in the public sector space. Again, as mentioned, we had an eight-member evaluation panel. They began their process by reviewing the proposals in depth, scoring those across a number of criteria, submitting those scores to us to review, and then we conducted the oral interviews. Uh, some of you are familiar with our uh, unique oral interview process. This is something I brought over from the contracts at the airport, particularly the very uh, contentious you know, billion-dollar RFPs we would do down there. Uh, what we do is we want to ensure that the team that wrote our proposal is the same A team that is going to be providing services to HSS and this board. The only way to do that is through these oral interviews. We provide them, in this case, two questions in advance. They were hypothetical questions designed around the issues HSS is facing currently, and one question that we've only provided them at the time of the oral interview. We provide them for that question 10 minutes to collaborate as a team so that our evaluation panel can determine how they work, how they, how they handle their various roles, and that they really show their subject matter expertise that they would have when presenting, say, before this board. Again, we used hypothetical questions that were very, uh, very um, you know, uh, key to what we're going through right now. One was on uh, what's facing our Medicare rates. Uh, two others were for our active plans. And again, both respondents did an exceptional job responding to these under those circumstances, really brought their A teams, and the scores were very closely ranked at the end of both the oral interview and the proposal process. Mm. 
Again, um, for our panel members, we had three who were from SFHSS from our executive team. Uh, the two individuals from uh, outside HSS, but with the city, again, with the controllers and with the USD, uh, Unified School District and controller both have extensive experience overseeing actuaries. And our three outside panel members representing uh, represented entities such as the Commonwealth Care Alliance, the Purchasers Business Group on Health, or PPGH, and a sustainability and equity advisory services firm, Sapel Advisory Services. With that, I'd like to open this up to questions and comments. Uh, one of the uh, comments about the protest period, is that now closed as of today? That's correct. The, the protest period ended at 11.59 p.m. last night. Uh, there will be no protest for this RFP, which will allow us to very diligently begin our contract negotiations. And thankfully, as part of our RFP, we include the P-form agreement terms and conditions, the standard terms and conditions, and our scope uh, fully fleshed out, which allows my team to very quickly execute a, an amendment, or sorry, in, in this case, it would be a new agreement with the incumbent following the RFP process. Um, as we all know, we are intending to initially present this in May. We're now presenting it at the June meeting, but we are very confident that we will have that new agreement executed prior to July 1st of this year. And uh, what would be the term? The term for this agreement will be initial three-year term with two one-year options to extend. As you mentioned earlier, uh, it is a good due diligence to do these on a regular basis, the same thing we're doing now with our health and our retiree benefits. This will be done every five years unless otherwise determined by the board. All right. So the reasonable period of time that uh, you cite in the presentation, the longer presentation, is that you intend to have this back to us by the 1st of July. That's correct. For approval. All right, thank you. Are there other questions of the board? Uh, Commissioner Follinsby? Yes, could you just, I guess, reaffirm that part of the criteria has to do with diversity, equity, and, and inclusion um, for all applicants? Absolutely, yeah. Diversity, equity, inclusion was not only a key part of the proposal requirements, but also from our oral interview questions. Thank you. And then one of the, one of the minor points, just for my edification, we're being asked to approve, ratify, and affirm. So there are three terms there, and I'm a little confused about our role in both ratifying and affirming if we approve. So could you maybe just tell why we're asking to do all three? Absolutely. Um, as required by the board rules and the terms of reference, there are specific subject matter areas for contracts for SFHSS that need to be approved by the board. And in this case, actuarial is, is actually the first on that list. Uh, another one would be, say, health benefit contracts that we did about two years ago. But the other term, ratify and approve. I mean, again, again so it yes. wasn't just the approve, it was the ratify and the affirm that I didn't quite understand why where the overlap doesn't exist. Yeah, this is actually a very good question. I actually might defer to our city attorney on this. This is the standard terms we have always used. So. <laughs> okay, I can look into it, um, but uh, yeah, as to why we use that, that language. I would be interested in hearing that okay. explanation. So. I'd be interested in hearing it as well. It just <laughs> seems redundant, but I'm no, I'm no attorney, so that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, Councillor, and thank you, Dr. Follinsby. Uh, I'd also like to just finish by uh, thanking uh, the two members of my team um, who, one, is taking a well-deserved break right now from our very extensive schedule. The other is diligently working on an RFP that is happening currently, and the last questions, as I mentioned earlier, are due today at noon. Uh, Patrick Chang, who came to us from Department of Public Health, and William Kudinoff, of whom many of you are very familiar, who does an exceptional job for us uh, across the rates and benefits process as well and all of our contracts. I could not do this without them. Um, these are extensive, detailed processes. We do them to the uh, both uh, the highest extent required by the city as well as our own internal standards, and I really do want to thank both of them. Thank you. Are there other questions from members of the board? I just have a comment. I was just surprised there were only two, two uh, companies applying for this position. That's right. Last time we had four, if you remember the process we went through in 2018. Exactly. Yes. In this case, we received a response from one of the entities that bid last time, and that was Willis Towers Watson, that they would decline to bid, and we received these two bids. What I did notice about the scoring in these two, they were both very highly ranked and very closely aligned in the final bid. Uh, and I think if we look back to our scoring from the last time around that we did this, there were also two respondents that were very highly ranked and two that sort of did not meet our standards. So when we look at this, we actually feel that we not only saved ourselves a little bit of time by really keeping very strict requirements, but we set a very high bar with our 2018 RFP, letting any prospective respondents know that if you're gonna bid on these services, you need to understand how active SFHSS and this board is when it comes to administering benefits, and that kind of environment, that kind of client relationship requires a very specific actuarial firm. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Are there other questions from the board? If not, we'll have public comment on it. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll take a, a motion. Uh, so I, <laughs> I uh, <clears throat> move that the Health Service Board of City and County of San Francisco approve, ratify, and confirm the contract award to and Consulting, Inc., to provide actuarial and consulting services of the Health Service Board in the San Francisco Health Service System and authorize San Francisco Health Service System to proceed with the negotiation of a contract with Anne. Second. There's, Second. It's been properly moved and seconded that we accept the recommendation of our contracts department, uh, approve, ratify, and so on. <laughs> Any other questions from the board? If not, we'll take public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. <coughs> and no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment. Our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no, no callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you, and we'll now have a roll call vote. 
Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. Motion carries unanimously. We welcome Aon back as our uh, actuary and we'll be hearing from them uh, during the course of the balance of this meeting. We will now move to item 11. This is the first step in our rates and benefits process for this afternoon. Agenda item number 11, presentation on the rates and benefits calendar for the plan year 2020-24. This is a discussion item and will be presented by Executive Director Abby Yan. Yes, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, yeah, we're getting close to the end of our rates and benefits calendar, and we will uh, be making the decision as we um, are able to work through the agenda today on whether or not we will need an additional meeting on the 12th, which is Tuesday? Monday. 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 That's right. Tuesday's Juneteenth. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, and then we're um, uh, scheduled to go to, to the Board of Supervisors uh, in July, and um, I have already talked to over half the board um, about what they will see coming, so they're not shocked. Um, and those conversations are going very well. All right. Is there any comment or question from the board <coughs> on the calendar or the director's comments? If not, we'll take public comment on this item. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote <coughs> public comment. For those callers on the line, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, please click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. Yes, uh, Fred Sanchez from Protect Our Benefits. Uh, this is a real difficult one uh, from the early retirees especially because, uh, God, I wish that we had more time so we could actually bring them here to you to tell you about the impact, some considering totally just giving up their health plan because they can't afford it. They're on fixed incomes. They get a 2% COLA, you know, that's it. And with inflation and everything else, they're just like simply can't afford it. But I'd rather have them in person comment on it because they're the ones who are truly impacted. Uh, we'd like the other groups like RECCSF who has members who they can bring forward. And we're all kind of in on this together. I. I could never speak for them, but uh, they're very active. And uh, if there's any way we can have a little bit of an extension to actually hear the comments from the impacted individuals, I mean, the idea of giving up your health service plan, I mean, that seems so drastic. Uh, so uh, it's such a large increase. Uh, if there's any way there can be some extension so we can get some input from the people that are actually uh, affected by this decision. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. No one else has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line. You must dial star three now 
if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment with this agenda item. <coughs> Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll take up item number 12. Agenda item number 12, Health Plans 2024 Rate Summary, Medicare Retiree and Kaiser Permanente Multi-Region Retiree Health Plans. This is a discussion item and will be presented with by Mike Clark from AON. Again, Mike Clark and the AON team, welcome. Now, good afternoon, commissioners. Uh, first, before I begin, uh, I want to echo everybody's thanks to Mr. Visconti and his team uh, for amazing work they do on the RFP process. Um, terrific to work with in partnership like we have on the health plans and terrific to work with um, as, a, as a bidder for the services. So I want to thank him and thank this board uh, for the confidence you've shown through your approval. Uh, we look forward to working with you for years to come. Thank you. So this uh, discussion item uh, provides an overview to the Medicare Retiree and Kaiser Multi-Region uh, Retiree Health Plan uh, renewals that we'll discuss today uh, and seek your approval for the 2024 plan year. These are Medicare Advantage plans uh, for the Medicare retirees offered by SFHSS. Uh, they're all fully insured plans that we'll review today. So. Uh, each of the health plans has provided uh, insured rates uh, for uh, these programs, including uh, both the primary Medicare uh, retiree, Medicare Advantage plans uh, from Kaiser and United Healthcare, as well as the multi-region plans uh, that are offered to early retirees and Medicare retirees uh, by Kaiser in Washington State. Uh, the Northwest, which is primarily the Portland, Oregon area, and Hawaii. Just to give you a sense on page three of the distribution of uh, membership, the covered lives, uh, based on the 2023 SFHSS demographics report uh, that Ren Coleridge presented to this board in February, uh, United Healthcare covers almost 18,000 uh, covered lives, uh, retirees and dependents. Uh, Kaiser in California through their Kaiser Permanente Senior Advantage or KIPSA plan uh, has just over 14,000 covered lives. And then the Kaiser multi-region plans uh, for Medicare lives, 142. So total over 32,000 individuals uh, covered through the Medicare plans offered by SFHSS. And then there's also 59 early retirees uh, who are enrolled in those Kaiser uh, multi-region plans in Washington, the Northwest, and Hawaii. So the remainder of this presentation uh, will focus on the largest of these two plans, uh, United Healthcare, MAPD, and the KIPSA plan. As you look at the overall renewal actions, and again, recognizing uh, there is no rate stabilization element to these plans since they're all fully insured, you know, we have had favorable rating actions over the last couple of years for these programs. Uh, for Kaiser in 2023, 1.9% uh, decrease, and it happened to be the third consecutive year of a rate decrease uh, for the Kaiser plan, which frankly in the world of healthcare is uh, very rare. Uh, the proposed 2024 rating action uh, for the Kaiser California Medicare Advantage plan is 6.2%. 
and during that presentation, I'll lead through the rationale. Uh, for United Healthcare, uh, there was a 4.7% rate increase into the 2023 plan year. After a couple years where rates really didn't change much, there was a small increase one year, um, a slight decrease another year. Uh, going into 2024, uh, you see a 15% increase that I'll be uh, talking through with you today. The um, rationale behind that, you know, as you turn to the next couple of pages, so starting on page five, uh, one of the elements that's impacting all Medicare Advantage plan rates for 2024, so not just for us at HSS, but just really across the industry. And I've got a chart in here in a bit that looks at it. When you look at the overall cost of Medicare Advantage plans, you know, you think, okay, the premium may represent the total cost. And it certainly does on active employees and early retirees. But what happens with the Medicare Advantage plans is the vast majority of the cost is funded by the federal government uh, through you know, what we call CMS, or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, uh, is the branch of the federal government, uh, the regulatory agency that determines the funding for Medicare programs, um, both you know, the offsets uh, for uh, traditional Medicare plans as well as the funding that goes into uh, these fully insured Medicare Advantage plans. Into 2024, there are three major influencers that I would say are headwinds that work against um, the increased levels of funding for these plans relative to where they've been in the past. Uh, first of all, the uh, federal government uh, reduced the overall growth rate to the increase in funding for Medicare Advantage plans. Uh, the adjustment to the per capita cost uh, related to the indirect and direct medical education costs associated with the services that are furnished to Medicare Advantage enrollees. Uh, this is gonna be an adjustment that's gonna phase in over three years, so it'll also uh, be in play for 2025 and 2026. This reduces the growth rate in the CMS funding uh, by about 0.8% for each of the next three years. On the next page, um, there is a risk adjustment uh, model change, and I alluded to this um, at one of our prior board meetings in May. There is a new approach to how uh, physicians and health systems capture diagnostic information uh, called the ICD-10 classification system. So it's an advanced methodology that replaced what used to be called the ICD-9 classification system. And long story short, what this means is the Medicare Advantage plans with this change in approach to how coding is captured at time of service uh, when individuals seek care. There's less information known about the disease states, uh, condition states of individuals. And so uh, with this change, it removed about 2,000 diagnostic codes from the risk model. And so it means there's less ability for the plans to capture this information that goes into how funding is determined by CMS for a given Medicare Advantage plan and population. And then there was also a Medicare Advantage risk adjustment uh, coding change. Um, so in addition to the impact on the risk scores as described above on page six, uh, there was also um, an adjustment model change that impacts the incremental funding uh, received for new conditions that will emerge over time. 
And so all of these transpire to, as you look at the specific advantage, and you'll see this information again in the United Healthcare presentation uh, later in this afternoon, if you look at the overall total plan costs, so all the claims and fees, you know, they go into the United Healthcare plan, uh, their forecast to increase 6%, where, you know, we've talked about how we see overall general healthcare trends going up about 7% uh, for medical and prescription drugs combined. Uh, so the 6% is actually slightly less than we're seeing, you know, from a general trend expectation. But the issue is, and you would think it's not this big of a difference when total plan cost is expected to go up 6%, uh, but CMS funding, which you can see by this bar chart, is the uh, majority of the overall plan cost. So the majority of the overall cost in this plan is paid for by the federal government, but when that source only increases by 3.2%, what it essentially means, it creates leverage in the increase of what's left and that's the 15% increase um, that is the recommendation today for the United Healthcare Plan. So again, we'll talk more about this uh, when we have our United Healthcare presentation later today. So our last page uh, just shows the projected 2024 uh, total cost monthly rates. Uh, so you can see a comparison side by side of the Kaiser uh, program in California to the United Healthcare MAPD plan, which is offered nationally, so not only to California uh, retirees would also have access to Kaiser, uh, but also retirees living throughout the United States where this may be the only SFHSS uh, plan offered to that Medicare retiree. Now, Kaiser premiums historically are lower because it's an HMO model, uh, more uh, I'd say tighter management within the HMO model uh, with the Kaiser um, system approach, you know, whereas the United Healthcare plan is essentially a, a national PPO. They're capturing as much diagnostic data on members as they possibly can, uh, but is expected to have a, a higher cost, and certainly the cost gap uh, between Kaiser and United Healthcare will widen with these renewals. But you can see in this table, you know, total plan rates that also include the $3 SFHSS sustainability fee and the basic vision premiums are at the top of the chart. The employer contributions, which are determined by application of city charter uh, formula for the employer contributions in the middle of the chart. And then you can see the member contributions will remain zero for the retiree only uh, for both plans. But you can see, you know, there is a difference in the member contributions as a result of the difference in the cost of the plan uh, for the retiree plus one and retiree plus two or more uh, dependent tiers. So this is an overview. Um, I'll turn it to you, President Scott, for any questions from you or the board. Are there uh, general questions at this time? We're going to be going into specifics on each of these recommended changes. So if you've got more detailed questions, uh, please hold those. This is about the general trends and impacts that we've seen across the board. So are there questions? Dr. Follinsby. Yeah, thank you very much. Since you sort of opened up the hornet's nest about why this is increasing, you know, I just <coughs> want to point out that there are almost 4,000 Medicare Advantage plans in the country. Not all of them are available in California or in our um, catchment areas, but this, there were like um, a 6% increase in 2022. So this is an area where where um, healthcare companies find that they can maybe um, 
maximize their overall profits, and many of these are for-profit. Um, and so I think that the issues that you bring up are important um, when you have over 3,000, you know, almost 3,000 of these nationwide, you can see that it is a robust industry out there and trying to navigate all the cost factors. I just want to point out that some of the issues that you pointed out, such as the decrease in funding of, of medical education, when we talk about supply of nurses, doctors, technicians, mental health professionals, and we see Medicare getting out of the, the medical education um, funding, you know, puts a burden, of course, on medical centers now, on the, uh, the, the schools. Um, and so at a time when we're worried about, you know, supply of providers, we see now the, the, the universities and, and medical schools are being hit harder now. They, they can't um, ask for help from the federal government. And likewise, uh, the decrease in, um, in funding of CMS, um, not a decrease in the increase, um, to be honest, you know, is something that is very real. And so when politicians talk about preserving Medicare, they do it with their sort of uh, tongue-in-cheek um, because this is a very active form of sort of undermining, you know, a federal government funding of health care by decreasing the increase. Um, and we can see the ramifications. And so we feel for all of the, all the pain that our individual members now face as a result of federal action. And um, think about that when you listen to candidates coming up. I just wanted to ask, um, in a generic question, you know, um, when you go back to look at the benefits, certain benefit, benefits have been rolled into the increase from some of the, these providers over the last you know, few years. I think particularly of one of them being meals after discharge. Um, and so initially that was a new benefit, but then we realized that it was being rolled into the, to the rates the year after and there. And we never hear about the analysis of these benefits that we're paying for and A, how much they're utilized, how much um, we're paying for these, and whether they're very successful. And I at least have one um, friend who, who has United Healthcare through the city and county is a retiree. And um, her experience with the post-discharge um, meals was less than ideal in terms of both the quality, the fact that they were delivered in 25-pound boxes to the front door, which she couldn't get into the door um, because of her surgery. And then many months after her surgery, for some reason, they were reinitiated and she, without anyone's order. And she took, it took her quite a while on the phone to navigate how to get this discontinued. Um, multiple phone calls. And yet we're paying for this service. And so when you go to these plans to negotiate rates, uh, is there an analysis of what we're getting for some of these added costs? Yeah, we um, do work with the plans to track utilization, you know, track what the cost is. Uh, when we look at the Kaiser presentation later, there's actually one element that decreased in, in kind of part of the overall premium as a result of relooking at the utilization of the benefit, the cost to deliver the benefit. Um, we can come back, you know, perhaps, um, you know, in August with some information to present to you. Uh, to the board on you know what we are tracking for uh, utilization, but you are correct. There have been addition of post discharge meal delivery, uh, transportation benefits post discharge, as well as uh, to uh, to and from appointments, uh, things of that nature. You know that are 
part of these overall benefits that at various times have been added into the programs. I would definitely like to see that. All right. Are there other questions, general questions, about this presentation from the board? Uh, I just want to make, yes, thank you. Um, I just want to make one comment um, in that um, all, all, of, all of this makes, is what makes this very difficult. And to add to it, there are 11,000 people a day aging into Medicare. And um, we did have a, um, as a result of the uh, impact of the pandemic, you know, our lifespans <laughs> have uh, decreased. But that's going to come back. And as we have an aging population, some of these add-on services that, that may not have been used heavily during the pandemic, um, I think we want to really put context to them. Because as, as people become aging, aging in place at home, um, those types of services are going to be more important than ever. So I think we just always have to kind of zoom in, zoom out. On, on these types of services uh, and be sure that we're looking at them within the context of the times that we're in. All right, thank you for that. Well, I just have a comment too. Yes, I Commissioner Breslin. Signed up for a ride on United Healthcare, and twice it was okay. One time they didn't show up and the next time it was a little sketchy, the drivers and stuff. I, I don't know if there was a, I don't know if something was not quite right there. <laughs> so um, that's been my experience. I mean, it's a good idea for people who need it, but if it's not being used, and if, like, I called them to say they never showed up this particular day, but um, that was all. I, I don't know what happened after that. So as far as the meals, I don't, I don't really know how that works, but. Um, okay, well, we'll look forward to uh, some summary report, uh, Mike, based on the uh, utilization. Correct. We'll have that for the August meeting. Okay. Thank you. Are there other questions from the board? If not, uh, we will take uh, public comment on this item. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will update us on any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. It has been my experience at these meetings that the mind can only comprehend what the end can endure. And as a result, we're going to take a recess at this time for 15 minutes. Thank you.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television.
SFGovTV, San Francisco Government Television. concluded our recess. I'm going to have our board secretary call the roll and also announce the procedures for public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Here. Vice President, not a roll call. Roll call. Yes, no vote. I'm sorry if I said right. that. Roll call starting with President Scott. Present. Vice President Howe. Present. Commissioner Breslin. Present. Commissioner Canning. Present. Supervisor Dorsey. Present. Commissioner Follinsby? Present. And Commissioner Zvansky? Present. <coughs> with that, we have quorum. Thank you. Do you want to proceed with the public comment guidance, please? Yes. For those of joining us after the break, we'd like to review our full public comment instructions. In-person public comment will be available for each agenda item. In-person public comment will be first and then virtual public comment. For anyone waiting in person, you're welcome to approach the podium now. Each speaker, er, each speaker will be allowed three minutes to comment in length unless the board president deems new public comment time limits during the meeting. All public comments are to be made concerning the agenda item that has been presented. A caller may ask questions of the policy body, but there's no obligation to answer or engage in dialogue with the caller. The Health Service Board will hear up to 30 minutes of remote public comment total for each agenda item. Remote public comment for people who have received an accommodation due to a disability will not count toward the 30-minute limit. Members of the public attending the meeting via phone, call in by dialing 415-655-0001. When prompted, enter access code 2592-851-6797, then press pound. You'll be prompted to enter the webinar web password 1145, then press pound. Press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue, and you'll enter the, the meeting with a prompt. You have raised your hand to task a question. Please wait to speak until the host calls on you. When the message says your line has been unmuted, this is your time to speak. You'll be unmuted and then muted when your time is expired. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the queue to speak. A raise hand icon will appear next to your name. When, the unmuted, when you're unmuted in the system, a request to unmute will appear on your screen. Please select unmute to speak. Once you hear myself say, welcome caller, you can begin speaking. When your time has expired, you, can be, you will be unmuted. Please click on the raise hand icon to lower your hand. Members of the public are encouraged to state their name clearly, although they may remain anonymous. I'll give you an audible warning when you have 30 seconds remaining, and when your three minutes have ended, I'll thank you for your call, and you'll be placed back on mute, and the next caller will be unmuted. With that, President Scott, we can move on to the next agenda item. All right, thank you. We'll now take up item 13. Agenda item number 13, review and approve Kaiser Permanente Multi-Region Medical RX Fully Insured Retiree HMO Plans 2024 Rates and Contributions. This is an action item and will be presented by Mike Clark with Ann. Mike Clark, Ann. 
Mike Clark and presenting on the Kaiser uh, Retiree Multi-Region uh, Renewals for Washington State, uh, the Northwest, and Hawaii. These plans were first introduced by SFHSS in 2018, uh, starting on page three. A uh, new set of Kaiser plans for retirees that live in these geographies outside of California where Kaiser has plans available. Uh, so again, Washington State is one region, uh, the Northwest, which is primarily the Portland um, area and Southwest Washington, as well as Hawaii is the third uh, region that we'll present in uh, this request today. Looking at page four, you can see the uh, number of covered uh, members, early retirees and dependents, as well as Medicare retirees and dependents uh, in these plans. You know, there are several dozen uh, per uh, region, but certainly are uh, important and beneficial for those retirees who live in these geographies. Uh, in total, the proposed premium for 2024 is approximately 1779000 for these programs. You can see at the bottom of page four, uh, the rate change proposed actions, which are being proposed today, uh, which range anywhere from no change uh, for the Washington region early retirees and dependents to a 9.9% increase for the Northwest uh, region early retirees and dependents. Page five, when you average everything together, the early retirees average to a 6.3% overall increase in rates and the Medicare retirees average to a 4.5% increase in rates. Uh, these are relatively small populations as we reviewed, so the rates are determined by Kaiser on a community-rated basis, and the proposed rate changes are in aggregate um, and are below uh, national healthcare cost increase trends. And then we also add in uh, the VSP basic plan uh, vision premiums, as well as the uh, $3 healthcare sustainability fund charge. And for the Medicare, uh, the rates will be adjusted uh, from year to year to fund for reconciliation variances uh, for how CMS funding finalizes uh, relative to what's known at this period of time, uh, given that the rates are communicated uh, somewhat early before uh, the CMS funding is completely finalized. Uh, just a reminder that the rate cards that are presented in this document, they reflect the full employer contributions for retiree medical coverage presently available to retired employees eligible for health benefits that are hired on or before January 9, 2009, uh, retired persons who retired for disability and surviving spouses or surviving domestic partners of active employees who died in the light of duty. Uh, the retiree medical coverage but no employer contribution is available to retired employees hired on or after January 10th, 2009 with at least five but not quite 10 years of credited service uh, with the employers and their surviving spouses and surviving domestic partners. And then on page eight, uh, for other uh, retirees who were hired on or after January 10th, 2009, uh, there is partial employer contribution available relative to the full uh, city charter formula uh, for those with greater than 10 but less than 15 years of credited services receive 50% of the uh, full uh, city charter contribution rate and those with uh, greater than 15 years but less than 20 years receive 75% of that rate. So the rate cards themselves uh, starting on page nine uh, for Washington State uh, showing the early retirees on the left side of the page and the Medicare retirees 
on the right side of the page. Um, so working through the city county uh, contribution formulas, uh, for instance, the 10 county amount uh, applies in full for the early retirees, the $805.85 is approved at the March 23rd meeting. Uh, for the Medicare retirees, it's limited to the full cost, uh, full total rate for the retiree-only coverage uh, for Medicare retirees. And perhaps a little bit easier page to see on page 10 is the change in proposed uh, monthly retiree contributions at the top of the chart, uh, as well as the employer contributions in the middle of the page, and the total rates at the bottom of the page uh, for the early retirees on the left side, Medicare retirees on the right side, um, where, again, in Washington State, uh, there's no change in the rates for early retirees. Uh, Medicare retirees have a 5% increase. For the Northwest region on page 11, uh, this is the rate card I'll ask you to approve today. And again, on page 12, uh, perhaps a little bit easier to see uh, with the uh, change in rates. I'd say the Washington um, rate uh, were positively influenced by a significant decrease in the demographic um, factor. So for instance, that's why it was a 0% change on the early retiree uh, rates for the Washington region uh, because of the change in the composition of the membership. And again, recognizing it's a very small membership in that plan, uh, whereas the Northwest region um, had a more typical uh, Kaiser, Kaiser rating trend for the cycle. And then for Hawaii, uh, page 13 is the Hawaii rate card uh, proposed for 2024. I'm sorry, page 13 and then page 14 uh, shows the change in uh, contributions and total cost rates where the early retiree increase is 7.3%, uh, the Medicare rate increase is 0.9%. So with that, on page 15, I'll close uh, uh, with staff recommendation that the Health Service Board approve the Kaiser 2024 plan year rates and premium contributions for the multi-region HMO plans uh, for early retirees and Medicare retirees for the Washington, Northwest, and Hawaii regions as presented in this proposal. President Scott. Are there questions uh, regarding the presentation or comments from the board? I mean, just one, one brief question, Mr. Clark. Uh, are, are you in the position to uh, discuss uh, other plans within that geography if they're experiencing similar increases for the type of service that they're providing? Certainly. Um, so the only plans available to the retirees in these particular geographies, so for the early retirees, um, it's the PPO plan, the non-Medicare PPO plan um, that was reviewed at the last meeting where that plan did benefit uh, from the Sutter legal settlement um, dollars. So uh, the rate increase for that plan was 1.7%. And then the for the Medicare retirees, the other plan is the United Healthcare um, Medicare Advantage plan that we'll talk about later today with the 15% proposed increase. So these rates, for instance, for the Medicare retirees are lower than the United Healthcare Medicare Advantage plans as well. Thank you. Other questions? If not, I'm willing to entertain a motion. I uh, move that we approve the Kaiser 2024 plan year rates and premium contributions for the multi-region HMO plans for early retirees and Medicare retirees for the state for the areas of Washington, Northwest, and Hawaii regions. And Second. the related rate cards. 
and, re and related rate cards. Is there a second? Second. It's been properly moved and seconded. Is there any further comment from the board regarding the motion? If not, we will now take public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and in WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, we'll move to our remote public comment. And our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We will wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll now have a roll call vote. Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. Passes unanimously. We'll now move to item 14 on the agenda. Agenda item number 14, review and approve Kaiser Permanente Senior Advantage California Medical Rx Fully Insured Medicare Retiree HMO Plan for 2024 rates and contributions. This is an action item and will be presented by Mike Clark with Aon. Mike Clark, Aon, presenting uh, the rate renewal and rate cards for the Kaiser Permanente Senior Advantage Plan uh, in California. So opening on page three with a staff recommendation where I'll go through the details. Uh, staff recommends that the Health Service Board accept the uh, Kaiser Permanente Cedar Advantage Medicare retiree rate card as presented today, which includes a 6.19% uh, insured premium increase into the 2024 plan year. Uh, as we discussed in uh, my first presentation today, there's uh, 14,197. Medicare eligible retirees and dependents who are enrolled in this plan um, per the February 2023 uh, SFHSS demographic report. And since 2014, as SFHSS has requested, Kaiser provides an early estimate for the following year's um, Medicare retiree rate to be used in rate card development. So on page five, you can see the various um, elements of the rate development, how it changes from 2023 to 2024. Um, there was a 1.86% rate decrease from 2022 to 2023, which was the third consecutive uh, renewal decrease. And so the 2023 rate that's in place now is that build rate shown on the page, $304. Now, if, um, if Kaiser had known what the final uh, CMS funding would be, uh, that rate would have actually been lower so there is a beneficial prior year reconciliation applied in the 2024 rate. That's the second row in this table, uh, $9.43. Uh, 
uh, the early 2024 rate projection uh, before ANA programs and before that reconciliation is applied is $323.02. Uh, the rates for the added program, so uh, maybe a little bit of uh, precursor to what we'll share in August across both Medicare Advantage plans, adds up to $9.24. Uh, it includes uh, chiropractic benefit, uh, the silver and fit fitness benefit, enhanced transportation rider, uh, which includes wheelchair and gurney support, and post-discharge meal delivery. Um, if I recall correctly, it's the enhanced transportation rider cost that is actually reducing by about half um, into the rate renewal for 2024. So we'll, again, go back and share the details when we share utilization uh, with you in August, but I think that was based on Kaiser reassessing, you know, what the actual cost of that uh, transportation program has been. So when the uh, final math is done, comparing the member premium rate after the reconciliation and with these added uh, program costs for members, and compared to uh, the premium for 2023, you know, the 2024 premium, is $322.83 uh, per member per month, uh, which is a 6.19% increase uh, in, the, in the build rate. So again, uh, page six is just a reminder that this is an early estimate. There will be a reconciliation done uh, by Kaiser later in the year that will then be applied uh, to 2025 rates, uh, given this is a risk-rated population uh, for Medicare, the final rate could be higher or lower uh, than the estimates applied. You know, certainly with the goal uh, of Kaiser to have the actual rate be as close to possible as that initial rate. Um, under, you know, page seven, just a little bit of more commentary on the rate. Um, underlying trends are higher, as we've discussed throughout this rates and benefits cycle. Um, Kaiser is impacted by reductions in the increase in CMS funding, uh, though perhaps not quite as much as United Healthcare, because of the Kaiser, you know, kind of staff model where um, there's um, kind of the direct in interaction with members in the staff HMO environment uh, relative to the PPO environment uh, that is United Healthcare, and there is the favorable reconciliation uh, that is helping the renewal uh, this year as well. So it would be higher without that favorable reconciliation adjustment. So the end state is a 6.19% uh, premium increase for the Medicare uh, members, and then for mixed Medicare families, the non-Medicare portion of rates is based on the 12.5% uh, premium increase uh, approved at the last meeting. And then we also add the basic vision premiums, uh, which aren't changing from 2023, as well as the $3 sustainability fund charge into the rate cards. And I won't read it again, but the same provisions apply as we talked about in the last presentation. Uh, these rate cards are shown for those earning the full city charter contribution, recognizing there are some individuals who either do not earn a city charter uh, contribution or uh, earn a partial contribution. So I'll go to um, move ahead to page 10. So ultimately, page 10 is the rate card um, I'm asking you to approve today. Uh, that shows the various premium component uh, for the Kaiser Insured Premium, uh, the vision, basic vision cost, the expense, and then application of the city charter uh, contribution to create the uh, net uh, contributions for the member uh, for 2024, 
where again, for a comparison, easier to see page 11, uh, to look at the comparison of monthly retiree contributions, employer contributions, and total rates uh, from one year to the next. So with that, I'll close on page 12. Staff recommends the Health Service Board accept the KPSA Medicare retiree rate card as presented today, which includes a 6.19% insured premium increase into the 2024 plan year. President Scott. Are there questions of uh, our actuary regarding the presentation, its content, or any of the provisions there too? On the board, yes. I just want to thank Pollard. you for, for again, reminding us about the reconciliation because um, I'm always a little every year we face the same issue so if I understand correctly without that reconciliation if it had been zero if it had been right on then the rate increase may have been a lot higher is that correct it would have been somewhere in the nine to ten percent range yeah. without the benefit of the reconciliation yeah. other questions from the board members Hearing none, I'm ready to entertain a motion. So moved. It's been moved. What? Second. <laughs> it's been properly moved and seconded to accept the staff recommendation to accept the uh, Kaiser Permanente Senior Advantage Medicare rate card as presented today, which includes a 6.19% insured premium increase for the plan year 2024. Any comments or questions from the board? Hearing none, we'll now take public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the media on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium, so we'll move to our remote public comment, and our moderator will notify us and make callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers in the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll now have a roll call vote. Roll call vote, starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. Passes unanimously. We're now ready to move to item 15. <clears throat> Agenda item number 15, review and approve United Healthcare Medicare RX, Medical RX, fully insured Medicare Advantage PPO plan, 2024 rates and contributions. This is an action item and will be presented by Mike Clark with Aon. Mike Clark, Aon, um, will present the uh, recommendation for the United Healthcare Medicare Advantage uh, prescription drug plan uh, for 2024. Starting on page three, staff recommends the Health Service Board accept the United Healthcare Medicare Advantage Prescription Drug Medicare Retiree Rate Card for status quo plan design as presented today, 
which includes a 15.0% insured premium increase into the 2024 plan year. Um, the uh, count in the plan, as we reviewed earlier, uh, 17,990 total Medicare eligible and retirees are enrolled in this plan. Uh, United Healthcare's 2024 rate on a per member per month basis uh, for the MAPD plan is $514.31 on a status quo or no plan design change basis. Now you'll see in the footnote that there are a few um, individuals, 138 in total, who for whatever reason do not qualify um, for Part A through the government, just through not having enough uh, working service during their lifetime. Uh, you can see that documented in the footnote. So there is a Part B only plan rate for these 100, um, uh, 138 individuals of $897.14 per member per month. Now the overall rate increase is 15% uh, following the 4.7% increase in the rate from 2022 to 2023. Uh, where we've talked about earlier, and I'll talk about again in this discussion, uh, the renewal is magnified by the change of methodology that the federal government is using uh, for CMS, Centers for Medicare and Medicaid payments, into 2024 MAPD plans. For the non-Medicare dependents of retirees enrolled in the United Healthcare MAPD plan, as well as um, the non-Medicare retirees independence where at least one family member is enrolled in this plan, UHC is that administrator for these split family um, Medicare retirees with non-Medicare uh, family members. So you can see the uh, non-Medicare family members do have a choice of three plans uh, through United Healthcare uh, when at least one family member is enrolled in the MAPD plan. Uh, so that is the select network or the broader EPO plan that has the same rates as the Blue Shield Access Plus plan. Uh, the more narrower network, doctor's EPO plan with the same rates as the Blue Shield Trio plan. And the non-Medicare PPO plan, as well as Choice Not Available, um, where you can see that definition in the appendix um, that have the same rates as the Blue Shield <coughs> Medicare PPO plan. So you'll see that in the rate cards uh, that will present each of those three plans available to the non-Medicare family members. Uh, the plan premiums are significantly higher, um, you know, with that 15% increase uh, due to the CMS uh, funding methodology changes. I know I talked about it uh, earlier uh, in our rate summary, but just to um, summarize uh, reduction in the growth rate uh, that CMS is making into the plans each of the next three years starting in 2024 uh, by about 0.8% per year. Uh, that's number one. And then flipping to page seven, uh, number two is a risk adjustment model change uh, going from the ICD-9 to ICD-10 classification system. So losing some diagnostic information on uh, some of the covered lives. And then a risk adjustment coding change is the third item uh, that is also in, in, in impacting the incremental funding uh, received for new conditions that emerge over time. So the same chart uh, that we presented a couple um, presentations ago, just looking at the leverage that the reduced level of CMS funding increase has to what's left is the SFHSS plan premium. You know, when overall total cost of the plan is increasing 6% and you know still the majority of the plan paid for 
uh, through CMS funding, federal government funding, but only increasing by 3.2%. It just creates leverage in what's left uh, for the plan premium that cascades uh, to SFHSS, and that's what drives the 15.0% increase. The presentation um, that we have today does uh, contain uh, a design change that we evaluated uh, for this particular plan. The current United Healthcare MAPD plan has a lower primary care office visit at $5 and specialty office visit at $15 than the co-pays uh, for these services in the Kaiser Permanente Senior Advantage plan. Uh, in KIPSA, the primary care and specialist office visit co-payments are $20. So uh, they're also lower in the United Healthcare plan than we see in benchmarks. So given the high rate renewal increase presented by UHC, um, SFHSS staff did review and consider a plan design change proposed by UHC, which would have increased uh, the UHC MAPD office visit copays by $5 per visit for both primary and specialty care. In other words, take primary care to $10, specialty care to $20. Um, this could have lowered the needed rate increase to 14.1% instead of 15% or a 0.9% differential, uh, which is about $900,000 in annual premium. About $100,000 would have been applied to reduce uh, retiree contributions for those covering one or more dependents and $800,000 to reduce the employer cost uh, versus the status quo design premiums. Uh, but on page 10, as documented here, SFHSS staff does not recommend the physician office copay plan changes for the following reasons. Uh, the CMS funding for Medicare Advantage plans is based primarily on risk scores, uh, which are driven by claims data that are collected uh, primarily at annual wellness visit at home or in the, uh, in the office. And SFHSS Medicare retirees are encouraged to attend annual wellness visits where their health status can be evaluated and recorded. Uh, the proposed change is approximately $50 in annual premium reduction. So it was a little over $4 uh, per member per month, you know, $50 a year, which makes it break even because we're talking about a $5 uh, visit change. So it would have uh, reflected 10, 10 annual primary care or specialty office co uh, visits combined. Um, increasing the primary care provider copay may reduce utilization uh, with the low copay. You know, obviously we're thinking about what else can be done to encourage utilization of primary care. Um, SFHSS staff will schedule a health service board education topic on plan design later this year. Mike, while you're there, do you have a number at the top of your head for the average number of office visits that a person goes year yeah unfortunately I don't um, I've heard seven or something like six or seven yeah I'd have to go back and look I, um, yeah I can't remember what primary plus specialty right. adds up to but certainly there's going to also be a distribution right? right some individuals may only have an annual wellness visit um, some may have you know multiple visits in the course of a year right. Um, again, we can follow up with that information in August, but um, thank you for the question. I wish I had it off the top of my head. I just thank don't. you. Uh, okay, please proceed. Okay. So looking ahead, uh, page 11, um, the 
Uh, so the rate cards are based on no change in plan design, so just to make that clear. Um, and then you'll also see the basic vision plan elements and the healthcare sustainability uh, charge added into the rate cards. And as I talked earlier, um, the rate card has distinct mixed Medicare family columns uh, for each of the variations where the non-Medicare uh, covered lives can enroll. And then similar to 2023, mixed Medicare family enrollment will not be available in the 2024 plan year for the non-Medicare health net canopy care plan. Uh, pages 12 and 13 cover similar information to what I talked about earlier. Um, these are full city contribution rate cards, but there are some who um, qualify for either no or partial uh, city contributions. So the rate cards on page 14 uh, shows the overall premiums, uh, Medicare members on the left, and then the uh, full families in mixed uh, Medicare families, where you, in this particular instance, is two in Medicare, uh, one plus family member in non-Medicare. There are examples, other tier um, examples in the appendix, I won't review them, but just to show the comparison in member contributions for uh, mixed Medicare families in other tier um, circumstances, just for your awareness. And again, page 15 is probably the easier uh, page to look at to just compare, you know, what's the change in the member contribution, uh, the monthly employer contribution, and the total cost rate uh, for all Medicare uh, members, all Medicare family uh, situations, as well as uh, full family where two are in Medicare, one plus are non-Medicare. So with that, I'll close on page 16. Staff recommends that the Health Service Board accept the United Healthcare. MAPD Medicare retiree rate card for status quo plan design is presented today, which includes a 15% insured premium increase into the 2024 plan year. President Scott. Are there questions regarding the presentation or any portion of it? I was looking at page 14. Mr. Breslin. <clears throat> um, full family, two in Medicare, one plus non-Medicare. And then you have the one plus non-Medicare and UHC doctors EPO is less expensive than the one plus non-Medicare and UHC select EPO. What's the difference there? Um, so different plan uh, that someone can select as the non-Medicare covered lives and the difference um, has grown because the select EPO applies the 14.4% increase that is consistent with Access Plus uh, for this particular cycle, uh, whereas the PPO uh, rate increase was 1.7%. So there's a difference between the rate increase on the non-Medicare covered lives in these families resulting from the rating actions that were reviewed at the last meeting that it would include the buy-down. Correct, exactly. So, and why is canopy care not included as an option? Uh, that is, um, it would be administratively difficult for SFHSS and REN would obviously be much more able to speak to this, but as part of the evaluation of moving the mixed Medicare family, non-Medicare lives, exclusively the UHC plan administration and away from Blue Shield, 
plan administration that um, was approved at this time last year for 1123. Um, the decision was made at that time to not allow the non-Medicare covered lives of a mixed Medicare family to enroll in HealthNet for similar administrative uh, reasons that led to that decision to move those lives away from Blue Shield and to United Healthcare. In the future, is that possible or what? I'm sorry? In the future, is that possible or no? We would have to go back and, and undo what we did over a year ago. Which was get rid of the split family, which was tremendously difficult for us and, all, and the plans. So we and had 800 lives, I think, that were impacted by that project. And we came to this conclusion that this was the reasonable way to administer that benefit. And we were doing some of it, as I understand, via spreadsheet tracking the movements of these people and so forth. So it, administratively, it was a lot of work internally and also trying to assure that people were getting the benefits that they paid for. So other questions or comments? Hearing none, I'm ready to accept a motion. President Scott, I move that we accept the staff recommendation um, to uh, for the UHCMA uh, Medicare um, plan rate cards for the status quo plan design presented today, which includes a 15% insured premium increase to the 2024 plan year. Second. All right, it's been properly moved and seconded that we accept the actuarial and staff recommendation as presented. Are there questions from members of the board? Hearing none, we will now take public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first, then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star three to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the media on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. Yes, President Sanchez, President Protect Our Benefits. It probably could have come up here on 13 and 14. I decided to lighten the load for you guys. Frustration, just a mild word. I think uh, I'm one individual speaking for an organization, but I think it's all about education. And when I see there's only one person on the line just listening, but that person has never said anything, tells me the education piece hasn't quite been there. And I will work with the other retirement organizations. I chose not to go to the CARA meeting today, which is this conflict that's always at the same time as your meeting. And that gets the Great Panthers and all the other organizations involved who are concerned about health care tremendously. So uh, I'll just part would say I'll do anything I can to help that education piece, working with uh, the executive director, her staff and everything to set up meetings so that, you know, at this body, it's a little late for things, you know. Uh, I'm encouraged about uh, speaking about looking for policy shifts and, uh, you know, something even like income-based cost and somebody's thinking here. But it's all about education, and please take it back to the providers and to the city leaders and 
you know, one individual was expressing what many feel, and we just have to educate them to get them involved, because nothing moves unless a lot of people get involved. It's like you got to vote with candidates who support your ideas, and that's all part of the education piece. Thank you. Thank you for your comment. So no one, no one has approached the podium, so we'll move on to our remote public comment. And our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line, you must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll now have a roll call vote. Roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. It passes unanimously. Thank you, uh, Mike, for you and your team and the work and diligence that you put forward in this process to bring us to this point this year. No, thank you, and it's a terrific collaborative effort with Executive Director Nian and her team. Thank you. Before you leave, I'd like to ask a question. Um, how many early retirees are there? From last month, I was looking, there was early retirees 5,417. Is that with or without dependents, do you know? I believe that's the figure in Kaiser with dependents, if I remember correctly. And I'd have to access the demographic plan, report. But this sure. is total early retirees. Okay. 5,000. But, but I wasn't clear if it was with the dependents or not. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the demographic report um, on page to have that information. Five. Um, yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't have the May 25th presentation with me yeah. to confirm. All right. Other questions, Commissioner Breslin? Yeah, I'm very, you know, I'm really concerned about, and it has not to do with today, but these rates for pe people with two dependents, and I, I also want to find out how many early retirees have the plus two fit into that category, because this is kind of becoming not, um, not a affordable for our early retirees. So, you know, the charter clearly states that retirees are supposed to be included in and I if, if you have to go back to the charter somehow, I don't know. But it's quite clear in the statement that the intent is for uh, retirees to receive the same health care as the actives, with the exception of the union agreements, and et cetera. But um, I don't know. So it just seems like we have to really look on some way to work with these early retirees to make this eligible. Yeah, and I, uh, my recommendation is always RIN's demographic report mm -hmm. um, because it does show tremendous detail by plan, by tier uh, for each of the populations. Um, so, 
that would be my recommended source uh, for that information. Yeah, I'll, I'll send it to you, Karen, and go over it with you. Me? I will send it to you and go over it with you so that you can have the answers to that question. I'll send you the report and we can talk about it. But as far as the... Those numbers. As far as the charter? No. The numbers of the early retirees. Oh, okay. Yeah, and we can also review the charter language because as I recall, it speaks to the retiree and their dependent. It doesn't speak to, I don't think it has an S on it, does it, on dependents? I can't recall. Yeah, so we can take a look. So the intent is that it be the same as for actives. That's what the intent of the charter is. Well, in order to uh, confirm that, I think we need to look at our, uh, uh, at the charter, and I will rely on the executive director to, to do that in yeah, the follow-up discussion. Have if you want. Yeah. yeah. All right, thank you. Any other comments? If not, we'll go to item 16. Agenda item number 16, vote on whether to cancel the July 2023 Health Service Board regular meeting. This is an action item and will be presented by Executive Director Abby Yen. I would ask the Executive Director to also to address whether we are going to reconvene this board in a special meeting on Monday, June 12th at 1 o'clock as well. Yeah, I would recommend that we cancel the June 12th meeting and uh, that we also cancel the July, whatever the date is, in July meeting. <laughs> All right. You've heard the recommendation. Is there a motion? I move that we uh, cancel the hold on the June 12th um, a special meeting of the Health Service Board and the regular meeting uh, for July um, 2023. Is there a second? Second. second. Is there discussion? I hope not. I said under my breath, I hope not. <laughs> no discussion. All right. Uh, with that, we're ready for public comment. Thank you, President Scott. Public comment is now open. Instructions are being displayed on the screen for those watching on SFGov TV and WebEx. In-person public comment will be first and then remote public comment. For those callers on the line, press star 3 to be added to the public comment queue. For those watching the meeting on WebEx, click on the raise hand icon to be placed in the public comment queue to speak. We'll begin with any in-person public comment. And no one has approached the podium. We'll move to our remote public comment and our moderator will notify us of any callers in the public comment queue at this time. Board Secretary, we have one caller on the phone line. Zero callers have specifically entered the public comment queue at this time. A reminder to all callers on the line. You must dial star three now if you wish to join public comment for this specific agenda item. We'll wait five more seconds and then close public comment for this agenda item. Board Secretary, there are still no callers in the public comment queue at this time. Thank you, moderator. Hearing no further callers, public comment is now closed. Thank you. We'll go to item 17. Oh, I'm sorry. A vote is needed. A roll call vote starting with President Scott. Aye. Vice President Howe. Aye. Commissioner Breslin. Aye. Commissioner Canning. Aye. Supervisor Dorsey. Aye. Commissioner Follinsby. Aye. And Commissioner Zvansky. Aye. It passes unanimously. <laughs> we will now proceed to item 17. Agenda item number 17 reports and updates from contracted health plan representatives. This is a discussion item. I would like to have all of the plan representatives to, that are in the room to please stand, if you would. 
on behalf of the uh, Health Service System Board, I'd like to thank you for your hard work and diligence and patience with us uh, throughout this uh, renewal cycle. And I can only assure you that we'll get to know each other better as we go forward. So thank you for your attendance today and the diligence and cooperation that you've provided throughout the year. Thank you. You may be seated. Is there public comment on uh, the non-public comment from the plan representatives? I, no. I wanted to ask if Blue Shield, there's a representative of Blue Shield here that was here last week, and if they looked into the trio issues. <clears throat> Thank you, Tiffany Gill, Blue Shield of California representative. Um, we did, we have started to look into it. I, I'm going to get the name of the person um, so that we can research a little bit um, more on that um, because both the Brown and Tolan side is not aware of, of the issue, so we're, we're looking into it further. Um, and we'll have more details uh, for you, hopefully, um, in the next board meeting. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a serious problem. I mean, when the doctor doesn't know who to refer to and, and the member wants to one person, they join to $200 and it says no copay, and they go to the other person and it says no copay. And this is primarily, apparently, with CT scans or anything like that, so sort of MRIs. C Sorry, didn't understand that last part. It's with what? The C? MRIs or CT scans, oh. anything, any of these okay. routes like that, they don't seem to know where to refer these people because... Where to send, okay. There used to be a lot of... Lot of uh, Confusion. I, you know, because of the extreme expense of Blue Shield now, it would be nice if this trio was an option, but if nobody knows what's going on, and then the um, concierge service that they can call, that mm -hmm. hasn't worked well either. So, I mean, the concierge will have a large learning curve to try to figure out which of these places are available to these particular things. Well, and, and there shouldn't be a, a learning curve. So, you know, and, and uh, we do have the tool, the Find a Doctor tool that has the information in there. Um, and so we still need to figure out exactly what happened in this situation because it, it seems to be more of a one-off than a larger issue. Well, you All right, not we have look heard forward to getting that report. Uh, might not have heard convened again. from the others. You know, that's how it goes. So the only way we find out how this works is through the members. Right, and appreciate that. And, and so now that we have the member information, we'll be able to look into that. All right, thank you for your attendance here today, and thank you, Commissioner Breslin, for bringing that up. And we'll look forward to more information at a future meeting. Can I make? <coughs> since we've got so many plan, no, that's okay. Not for you, uh, specifically. But but we heard, you know, some a sort of a, a plan to sort of reach out to membership of retirees and early retirees to try to educate them and get them more engaged in you know the health plan issues. I, I think I specifically want to urge all of you that we've kept copays down um, for you know, primary care providers and especially to try to help drive, sort of influence some of the drivers of increased health care costs that we see. Cardiovascular disease, cancer, 
muscle skeleton, I can't remember the fourth. But anyway, so, but it's up to each of the plans. Yesterday I had to contact my healthcare plan to find out what's the deal about RSV vaccine. It's been approved by the FDA. I went on, the law, I went on my site to find out what Kaiser uh, was saying about this. I got a nice response from my, from covering my primary about the sequence of events and when it might be available. But there's lots of things that can be done proactively. To, to alert our membership to changes that are happening, to the importance of screening, which we know has fallen down during COVID, and we haven't caught up, I think, in any of the health plans in terms of, sc of screening for breast cancer, um, heart disease, hypertension, et cetera, colon cancer, et cetera, et cetera. So I urge all of you to join in a commitment of education to your members, and that will help benefit everyone, the health plan, as well as our membership and the health. So please sort of make that commitment again. And I'd like to see some more proactive education to all the members about what's available and will be available soon. So members don't have to sort of have things fall off their own, their own um, <clears throat> you know, sort of uh, wish list uh, for the future. So thank you. All right, thank you for those comments. And with that, we stand adjourned until August.